Hey, everybody. How you doing? Welcome to the JU Israel Teachers Lounge. We are back at the Bagel Cafe. I am sitting, I am Michael Unterberg, co-host with my co-host, Alan Goldman. How's it going, Alan? It's going pretty well, Mike. And, of course, across the table is our buddy, Benji. <laughs> yiggy, yiggy, oh. Don't know what that means. Ever. <laughs> I don't know what just happened. Uh... Today we're going to take a step back. Uh, we're sorry we missed last week, but uh, we had other responsibilities to attend to. So occasionally we'll miss a week when uh, we're a little bit off track. But let's move ahead for this week. This week we want to talk about really a pretty big topic, which I assume this will be just the beginning of a conversation. Uh, what is Zionism? What, what is it? What's going on? I know it's a word that doesn't get used uh, happily on college campuses. It's associated with bad things. But can we talk about what it is and what it means, what it has meant, what it is today? You guys, uh, who wants to start with sort of a, how do you want to do a definition? Well, I'll start with a thought with, before of a definition, if that's okay. I guess it's maybe it's a pre-definition, which is a discussion I had in my MTVA class this week. Um, we read an article that A.B. Oshua wrote. And his basically argument was that Zionism is not an ideology because it's not one Zionist ideology. There are multiple Zionist ideologies that sometimes contradict each other. Mm. And then, in fact, Zionism is a movement that incorporates many different ideologies. Well, couldn't you argue that all of the different... Well, when you say there's a lot of different branches or aspects of Zionism, philosophies, what, like what? What are you talking about? So, um, right, we have... If we're going back a century to the beginnings of the Zionist movement. So broadly, we generally divide them into four different Zionist movements. You could say Zionist ideologies, sorry, that, that are incorporated in the Zionist movement. You had the Herzl um, idea, the political Zionism, which was that the Jews need a state because of anti-Semitism. You had the um, labor Zionists that, uh, you know, the figure there was A.D. Gordon, who basically said that until you own the land and work the land and have your own labor, you're always going to be a, a guest in someone else's house. And therefore, we need, uh, we need um, Zionism needs to have a, a state in our own homeland so that we're no longer guests in other people's houses. And he also felt that, in particular, working the land itself, like we have to bond back to the land. Right, and that was a particular thing, but he didn't exclude other kinds of manual labor. He generally talked about manual labor, but also a very obviously important part of that was agriculture. Um, a third movement was uh, was the um, cultural. Yes, yeah, cultural Zionism, which was uh, again the figure there we associated with Chada Am, who said it's nothing about anti-Semitism. It's not even about the land, even though those are those are important issues that are secondary to the real issue. And the real issue was um, Jewish Jews losing their identity with the uh, with the onslaught of modernity, and that Jews needed to revise uh, a Jewish identity, which, which was modern. Um, and not uh, not necessarily in a religious way, but in a cultural way. And therefore, you need a center, which is in our natural homeland, but you didn't necessarily need a state, at least not at the early phase. Um, and so that... In other words, a cultural renaissance to bring the Jewish people back onto the cultural world scene so that their identity becomes distinct. Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. And finally, the, the fourth that we usually break up to is religious Zionism, which in and itself... Had a number of different uh, different branches, of course, like the other ones branched out. But the basic idea was that for um, the, the Jews being disconnected from the land in the diaspora had somewhat 
um, developed only one aspect of our na- nationality, which was a religious nationality, but to be a complete people, we needed to be back in our homeland um, and to really be able to um, uh, reach our full nationality and then also our religious selves. And where would you put revisionist Zionism on that on that list? So revisionist Zionism was the, the story we call the fifth movement, which comes later at a later stage because it's revising. Why is it called revisionist? Because as Jabotinsky saw himself as revising the political Zionism of Herzl, that um, in the 1920s, Herzlian um, Zion, political Zionism wasn't addressing what was needed at the time, and so he was revising that and. Um, in, in really in many ways as a response to the labor social Zionist movement was uh, coming up at the, at the time. In particular with the aspect that Herzl's was founded on cooperation with other nations giving us, uh, giving us official recognition and Jabotinsky said it, we have to be much more about internally stepping up and making ourselves who we need to be because cooperating with other nations isn't going to get us there. Also, they were operating much different times and eras. You know, Herzl's in an international system, which is completely different, and there was no even notion, I think, in his mind that, oh, we're actually going to have a completely sovereign nation-state, that the only way to get some sort of um, autonomy uh, of a Jewish state was to leverage the, the powers uh, the time. Um, I mean, he was hoping, obviously, in the future that it would happen, um, so well, I think that he also says it specifically after the first Zionist Congress, if not in five years and in ten no, years. No, he and says in fi- years. even at the first Zionist Congress, he says in fifty years yeah, we're going to have a state. But well. he also in step by step, and he didn't have a problem with lobbying, whether it was the German Kaiser or the Ottoman right. Sultan, to be like, we're going to be good for your empires, and these are the reasons why. So. Well, you know, right. help what us was out. Major cha- what was the major change between Herzl's political Zionism at the end of the 19th century and Jabotinsky's in the 1920s and 1930s? So if, if these are the branches of the movement in its heyday, before we get to how it's developed... In other words, the, the big change that Benji's talking about is World War I. That's the cataclysmic change that well, affects the, the whole the world, world changes. Right, exactly. And now you have... Ethnic, ethno-national groups vying for independence from the old system. And the Jews are part of those groups that are vying for independence. And even the world recognizes that in the ratification <laughs> of the mandate system by the League of Nations. And Right, and Balfour Declaration, it's already, you know, Herzl got his political, you know, feather. Which he couldn't have achieved during his lifetime because right. it was before World War One. It's also, of course, because it's universal, you have the rise of Arab nationalism. And here, Palestinian Arab nationalism. So, that that stage post World War One is a major step forward for the Zionists, but it also creates problems to this day. I share uh, something interesting. So, I'm reading the book right now by um, Avi Neri, new book on Herzl. And so, I just finished this part of the the first Zionist Congress, where they made sure a that there was kosher food available, and b that nothing would happen yet on Shabbos. And Herzl goes to the shul in Basel, and they uh, he goes up to have an aliyah, and he didn't know how to read the bracha. Right. But it's fascinating. It's he writes that he didn't really know what he was doing and he needed help. That's what it says in the book. He also, I think uh, Conor Cruz O'Brien has that he, he didn't know, when they asked him to speak to the shul, he didn't know if he was allowed to stand on the beamer with his back to the Aaron. He had never seen a shul like that. So he didn't know how to handle it. So the, yeah. But why, why I'm bringing up that point is I think in Herzl's vision and the, the political vision, it was to try and be inclusive of essentially the different tribes of Zionists. 
Um, and really the model that Herzl sets up in the first Congress is the same model that you see in the political establishment in the Yeshuvan we have in the political parties today in the modern state of Israel. Yeah, I would say I would, I would probably disagree with A.B. Yoshua and say that, that, that it is an ideology, that, that in all of those movements there are certain basic principles that are at the center that they all agree on, and therefore it is, I think, one ideology with sure. separate... So what are, what are I would say those principles are... Number one, the Jews are a nation. We have always been a nation. And it, it is unhealthy for us to ignore that aspect of what defines us. Number two, all nations have the right to self-rule, including the Jews. Number three, as long as the Jews are guests in other countries that is not their national home, they will be regarded with a certain degree of mistrust, unwelcomeness, fear, rejection. And number f- and essentially, those are the, the planks that they all basically agree on. Even the cultural Zionists who, who de-emphasize the importance of anti-Semitism or the centrality of it acknowledge that that's what's driving a lot of people to move. So the, in essence, the Jews... Yeah, that's interesting because the cultural Zionist is the weakest link. Cause and the, also the one we left out, which comes on later, which is the binationalist, like led by Martin Buber and some of the other academics. Right, that, that basically should share a binational state with uh, with the Palestinian Arabs. But those, but they could be Zionists back in the 30s and the 40s, which today we would never consider them Zionists. Well, it, it all states into that conversation of Zionist versus pro-Israel because if you're a binationalist, can you really be a Zionist today in 2016? But that's that's fair to any ideology and certainly to any movement that. As, thing, as questions arise and are debated, eventually the movement comes to a consensus, right? Famously, uh, Herzl initiated the Uganda debate, and at the settling of that debate in 1903, the Zionist movement made a final decision that they would not consider any other land but what was then called Palestine. So the fact that things were debated at a certain point in the history of the development of the movement and or the ideology, but once they're resolved, they're resolved. So that doesn't become a lasting impact. So would you guys say, so so let me ask the question, would you guys say that um, with the founding of the State of Israel, uh, so that is a new consensus of what Zionism is? And what is that consensus? Well, absolutely, because one is striving for a goal, and then once the goal is achieved, so it's kind of like you have to reboot. Okay, so what's the reboot? Well, hold on a second. I would actually disagree, because I don't think that the goals of Zionism have ever been achieved yet. Some of the things have You're been achieved. Be- I am disagreeing with Benji. Okay, so let Benji state. What Hold on, we're going to pause now while Benji and I step outside. No, <laughs> just kidding. No, let, let, uh, no, Benji will take him. He's quick. He's fast. No, uh, let, so let Benji just lay out his side before you really disagree with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, okay, so Mike's position is... Forget Mike's position. What do you think the reboot of Zionism is in 1948? Well, any political national movement that is striving for self-determination has an end goal, which is the establishment of a nation-state for that specific group of people, for their tribe, for their nation. And we not only establish it, and we win a war of independence and recognize essentially, you know, by the world, okay, here's the nation-state of the Jews, and this is the culmination of the Zionist national movement. So is Zionism over? No, I wouldn't say Zionism is so over. Is but Zionism then, now? So Zionism is the belief... That they, what, what Mike said, the Jews are a nation. As a nation, we have the right to self-determination. And the um, continuous um, defense <coughs> of this idea and the continuation of this experiment, which is essentially the third Jewish commonwealth in the land of Israel. 
now we can the rebooting involves what does it mean to have this third Jewish Commonwealth within our history and within world history, um, and how do we um, defend both the idea and the concept and as there are different ideologies, we've had different concepts of what Zionism is, but then also how do we have a thriving, functioning state? And I think this is where we get into this debate of Zionist versus pro-Israel advocate, uh, because you can be a Zionist and believe in the idea of Zionism, um, but maybe you don't support you know, policies of the Israeli government, you don't support where Israeli society is going, but that doesn't take away from the very fact that you believe in this basic national movement. Um, I mean, I could keep going, and but it's well, a really about. Nice response. It, well, I, I, I would say I would say that it doesn't need a reboot because in, in its initial formulations, first of all, I think that what you're calling tribes, Benji, the, whatever whatever we call these different streams within Zionism, let's call them tribes. I don't think they're contradictory. I think they're complementary. In other words, people will associate with a particular branch based on their individual inclinations, psychology, whatever, but they're meant to work together. I would argue that most, or not most, I, I, look, there's no question that, that achieving statehood is a major accomplishment in fulfilling Zionism. But if you look at Israel's Declaration of Independence, the goals of reestablishing a country based on Jewish values, a country that is a fulfillment of Jewish values that were formed in our earliest stages in the First and Second Commonwealth, I don't think we've achieved that. I think the idea of ingathering of exiles, we're not close to achieving, and being an exceptional, normal not, not nation. Close to achieving or on, the, uh, on, a, on a serious road to? I don't think we're on a serious road to. The, right now, what, 40% of the Jews of the world live in Israel? Like 45, and we'll be at half very soon. Let's, let's beneficial. I, <laughs> I, I have to go with Benjo on this, these stats. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> We should have asked you to bring both hats. But whatever it is, I don't know that we're... Even even once you tip that scale past the 50%, which will be what, within the next 20 years projected? I don't know. Also depends on how you define a Jew. Correct. Which is part of the problem of cultural Zionism, is we haven't... We haven't cultural Zionism... I'll tell you why I think it's a problem of cultural Zionism, because I think the idea is to no longer be a diaspora culture, to be a thriving, living, breathing, historically impacting nation-state, means that these weird issues of like leftover diaspora problems we have to put behind us to have a forthright things like... So isn't the problem religious Zionism, not cultural Zionism? So why should we be defining a, well, our nationalistic... You know, when, when, when 90% of the, of the people are not... Religious. When I say it's a problem, I mean it's another piece of evidence that we have not achieved the goals of cultural Zionism. I would argue that that's the branch of Zionism we've made the least progress on. Cultural Zionism? Yeah, we've. Really? Yeah, I mean, there's wonderful Israeli theater and music Literature. and oh, there is, but I think that the Israeli cultural output isn't always Jewish. That's funny, because I would say that maybe the one that we've most succeeded in uh, manifesting is the cultural Zionism. Um, you know, Habima, the, you know, I mean, e even within the religious world, there's a new religious culture that there. there's religious theaters, there's, I mean... It, I how many of the plays of, that, look, I just saw... Revitalization of the Hebrew language. More, uh, yeah. Well, that's you know. a pretty big one. <laughs> that's huge. Yeah, that was pretty good. But I went last week to the Jerusalem Theater, and I saw the Stephen Sondheim play Assassins in English. 
In other words, even at the the oh. the, the and Habima, like a lot of the things being put on are foreign. Yeah. This and is not also put, being also, put out in the Hebrew. But isn't that also That's an cool. achievement of Zionism? Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Not, okay, hold on. The fact that we haven't reached the end goal is not a criticism. Right. No, no, but you said it's the one that we've most not used. In my opinion, we've, we've, we've taken the fewest I, steps forward in developing truly distinctly Jewish voices. I, I think it... I don't know if that's a Zionist question or that's a Jewish question. It's a cultural no, Zionist it's, question. It's, it's, it's exactly Achad Ha'am's it's, question. It's, uh, so I would, I would, I would, like, I would disagree 100% because I think that Shakespeare in Hebrew is already a cultural Jewish expression. Because once you translate something, you know, you're already making it. It's not Isaiah. It's not Jeremiah. True. It's not... In other words, do you know... Do you know, but, but by, the way, Yidiyach, no, by the way, you look at Yidiyach Ronot, whose books are got, like, be, they're... Great books being being sold um, about prophets like Rav Benny Lau, who was putting out books in 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 the mainstream. I think the rise of secular Beit Midrash is also a sign that something's going on. That Jews have become interested. Don't forget Shdisel. I just read in the newspaper today that. They're opening kosher restaurants on Shabbat, not to serve food, right. but just to have a mifgash between religious and non-religious Jews. How Fellas. is that not an achievement of cultural Zion? Okay, I, I, I actually think it's a failure. I'm actually with Michael on this one. What? Yeah, because the whole re- the whole representation they're saying is it, it, Jerusalem doesn't have any cultural nightlife on Shabbat. What are you talking about? Beit Knesset, uh, Shabbos meals, all the things going yeah, on. Yeah, but what if lectures. someone that is not... Their Judaism is not reflective in religious experience. But, but Seder, but so that, why can't we have religious experiences that are inclusive? Right. No, but why can't okay, they? That, okay, no, and that why, is a problem of our issue of religion secular, and state. No, I'm saying, why, why, first of all, there's two problems with that. Top-down why Judaism. Is, no, no. Problem. Why is the, the religious development of what's happened in the state of Israel, which is different than diaspora religion, not seen as cultural? Because that's that's my first point. The religious is, development in Israel is or is not cultural. It is not. It is cultural, but it's not seen as that. Now, no. if you say there's no cultural life in Jerusalem on Shabbat, that's ignoring religion as part of the cultural life of this country. Okay, so it's so certainly it's, authentically Jewish culture. Right, one hundred percent. And it's also specific to Israel. It's different. I was just in America. But isn't what other city in the different. world? Are they going to do this so, thing for <laughs> outreach for its citizens no, as a saying. result of the fact that so, most people are religious, therefore most of the establishments are religious, and they're trying to bring which are very so alienated populations together for a discourse? So I'm saying the secular... It, it, may not, it may be a lovely and worthwhile thing to do, but I don't know that it's a cultural Zionist achievement. Correct, and I would say what would be... What, why can't... Why don't the secular, the secular residents of Jerusalem, like you have in other places, develop a secular Shabbat cultural experience which is not we want to go to the movies we want to go bowling they, they do have that here at Beit and uh, no I'm not saying Beit Tzvila, not around no, lectures why aren't they having uh, you know I think poetry lo- readings nah. or stam I'm just throwing things out I'm saying, I, I think this is I think this is a supplement to what and we, and where we can and where we can meet and where they can meet no my, my but, argument but you're forced but it's a way it's um uh, it's no. coercion because the only meeting places are essentially the places that are religious and orthodox religious no, for so the most part, so, so I, so you can I, go down the street I, and call in the shop. Listen, if the coffee religious. if the coffee shops would be part of a balanced diet of you come to my places, I'll go to your places and let's have conversations and, and let's share space, then that's, that's somewhat different. Uh, so I'm we, not, I'm we not, don't know enough. Uh, but Benji, I'm not getting into those arguments. Right. So I, I'm not disagreeing with you with all that. What I'm saying is, it's a problem when you don't recognize the religious expression of Jews as part of the culture of the country. Agreed. You're separating it. That's my problem with it. Okay, I. 
I'm on board with that. And that, and that I would like to see secular culture. Or Kimi Vienna Tate's a culture. Or, you know. Right. Or poetry readings where both religious and secular are coming on Shabbat. Why aren't religious going to poetry readings on Shabbat? Kilo, that's also one, right? But the, that's a, I mean, uh, I think this is also a way where Zionism could be striving to achieve greater successes, which is it starts with the educational system. We're dividing up people based on your tribe <coughs> before they even know that they're a different tribe. Where you have secular state religious Haredi or Arab you're you guys, teaching the kids to only hang out with your own peeps you guys are totally making all my arguments you're, you're proving to me because look you're looking back and saying look at what we achieved culturally in cultural Zionism yeah. I'm looking forward and waiting for look in America when does Herman Melville publish Moby Dick the 1850s it's almost a century before you have a genuine American art- and, and, and by the way it wasn't just the Europeans who looked down at what the American output was so it was the Americans importing so European I will, culture I will potentially argue that um, due to our native being born in America that we're weaker on the native you know the cultural expression things that you know Israelis are growing up with you know hand and mouth and great novels that are written in Hebrew in the 1950s and 1960s or all those what about of things. all the movies the Baruchas movies, movies right yeah I mean, that's low yeah. culture I'm talking high culture or like what you know Such I'm now blanking my name like one of the big names that always came up but all, you know but I can't remember uh um, I think what's happening is maybe a little bit of a reversal and that's what you're getting at Mike that in the first two decades of Israel or uh, there was a very strong push to develop a very Jewish or very Israeli, at least Hebrew yeah, culture, Israeli, but but that was but that a was based Hebrew on a lot culture. of Jewish or Hebrew yeah. culture. Yes and, and no. But but what's happened is because of globalization, all that Hebrew culture has become as like every other culture subsumed in a. One of the weird paradoxes of art is the more particular the expression, the more universal it is because it identifies its deepest human elements. By the way, there's a, and I, I'm not seeing. I'm, it's not that I'm not seeing it. It's that I'm not seeing enough of it in movies, in TV, in music. I, you absolutely see it. I don't think it's reached its fruition at all. At all. I think back to the original question about the reboot. I think the reboot is how does this ideology mold into an institutional um, implementation of Zionism? So when we're talking about a challenge of Zionism, which I agree is a major challenge, is that if the education system is split up into different sectors, two of which don't even identify with the Zionist ideology in the first place, it's setting up for these challenges in the future, which is how do you have a vibrant cultural Zionism in your society when you're essentially setting it up not to succeed? Even more deeply, is, uh, is the, are, are the laws of the educational system, is the culture, are the way people drive, are these expressions of Jewish values? Are we treating uh, strangers and and guests? I hope not the way we drive. I, I think it isn't, and I think I think that 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 to be, build a place where the Jewish values come to life is also part of the Zionist ideal, and frankly, the ingathering of the exiles is a Zionist ideal. So, so the Zionist you, mission so is, has achieved major successes, but it is not finished. So then I want to push you, and Benji can feel free to ask this also, because you're using this term Jewish values. I'm going to push you back. So, <laughs> excellent. Uh, Jewish values. Everybody talks about Jewish values. What are Jewish values? Uh, justice and righteousness. Tzedek Umishpat. Tzedek Umishpat. Very, very, bottom line. Justice and uh, based on common law, based on Jewish law, based on what do you mean when you say Jewish values? Based on a reasonable understanding of what justice is, which which you will have to, the more you articulate it, the the further sometimes you are from getting to the basic idea that everybody essentially understands. 
a just society and a righteous society. Righteous is probably the wrong word. But what but makes you different than just having being, you know, having a moral conscience and a belief in humanity and its forever goodness? Well, how's Israel doing? Does Israel have homeless people? Does Israel have a drug problem? Does Israel have human slavery? Does Israel have drug trafficking? The goal, to me, part of the goal... Part, yeah, part of the goal, uh, a, a Zionist goal, would be to make a place that would please the prophets of old and say the, the, solve the problems that we didn't in our previous two commonwealths. Uh, and and I think those things idol worship, idol worship. Well, idol worship in its original no, form not, is I'm no not, longer being, a problem. Trying, well, I'm not trying to be. I'm not trying to be uh, whatever um, here. But I'm being very serious because we could, I, one could seriously argue that Jewish value is monotheism. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, it's not pagan. It's, it's yeah. ethical monotheism. Yeah. And so I think that while you don't really have much idol worship, uh, you have you – ha- I think in, in the postmodern, there are no objective truths – perspective, you lose that central Jewish core of ethical monotheism, which says there are central good and evil. There, are, there, is, there are things that are right and wrong. So our particular identities push us for this striving for universal truth and goodness. Yeah, now I guess you could argue that that's me as a religious Zionist, because that's what the Bible says yeah. to do. But when the Declaration of Independence says that we formed our values and gave the world the book of books, I read that as a declaration of all Zionists. That our goal is to be the new state that 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 goes back onto that stage. We should be that successful and impactful once again. But I, I'm just saying that that's 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 uh, again I'm pushing back because it's a difficult. Well, makes that that's a difficult Jewish. commonality, well, right? That's a difficult commonality, especially first of all we know in the Declaration of Independence the great fight over including God's name or not and how they got around it, and the fact that there were some serious atheists. Yeah, and I'm not uh, talking uh, about so God. The first, I'm talking right. about the first paragraph in no, the I Declaration of Independence. I understand, but when we say the Book of Books is the morale is our morality thing, that's that that could be a problematic thing, right? Have, what, it, why? It, it, it's literally in the Declaration of Independence. I why is that problematic? I understand, but there are things today in our society, such as uh, homosexuality, which the Bible um, clearly prohibits and in our society today we clearly permit so yeah, it's a very big challenge and yeah, even in the, the world Bible says you know everyone was made in the image of god that and that's it so yeah. that it's resolving these issues in a modern framework that makes sense when you have these differing and the idea that justice is for everyone no matter what you're how you're set up so so but what you're asking is a question on how are we going to build that to make sense in the future, and yeah. I don't know. We're working on it, right? This is this is what you're having at the Kotel once a month. You know, how do you how do you create a space in the Kotel for people with different religious expressions that's fair to everyone? These are the challenges that are ahead of us, and the working on it is part of the Zionist mission, in my I opinion. I see that also as an achievement of Zionism, where you have one group saying this is how we want to express our Judaism and then you have another group which happens to be the state institution saying you are wrong and it is an internal debate it is amazing after 2,000 years that the greatest challenge to Zionism is an internal debate of defining really what it means to A, be a Zionist and B, be a Jewish and C, then how to act on those beliefs. I'm not disagreeing with you but the but what I'm arguing... The challenge is the achievement. I agree with you that facing that challenge is an achievement. Being able to work on the problem is an achievement. Having the opportunity to seek a just solution to a conflict like that is an achievement, but it's not the fulfillment of the dream. 
yet. Well, I don't think we're ever going to fulfill the dream. It's always going to be a striving. I think it's always going to be striving, and it's really about the pro. For me, I guess Zionism is about the process. Of course it is. I, I'm not, uh, but... Uh, well, that sort of contradicts a little bit what you said before when you said we kind of needed to reboot after 948. Even more or less so, right, with Michael at this point, right? No, reboot. I'll tell you what it is. Until 1948, we're striving for a sovereign autonomous entity. Okay, we achieve it. Now we're rebooting what our goals are, which is essentially a process of, of redeeming the Jewish people and their holy land. So then at this point, we're, we're only disagreeing semantically yeah. because we're essentially agreeing. Correct. Right. I, I have a weird... We, we we're in our messianic period. What does that mean? We're here. We got it. We have our own state. We're not going anywhere. We, this is a messianic period of Zionism, but we're not done yet based on the fact of everything we've described. And it's always going to be an ongoing process. So, so I, will, I will disagree 100% with that statement. Yeah, <laughs> that we're the messianic process. First of all, I don't know where, the, first of all, that we're here to stay. I mean, the, the Hashmonim, the Maccabees, thought they were here to stay. And so did the Jews of the first temple think that they were there to stay? Of course. Of course. Um, so I think it, uh, as much as I love this country and, and hope and pray that we're here and have a belief that we're... That and we're bet here. the lives of your children on the and fact bet. that it will succeed. Correct. And have dedicated my son, who went in the army this week, to make sure, that, thank you, that make sure that it will succeed. I, I clearly and very, very um, viscerally feel that... Uh, that Nothing's nothing is definite. But I think the difference is um, the, the destruction of the first two Jewish commonwealths were not as a result of a seismic change in how the world was. We were essentially, you know, conquered by other empires. Right? Just listen. Now, hear me out. <laughs> I'm listening. Hear me out. What the, what the, what the, what the listener can't see is we're making funny uh, faces. Yeah. Nice. Okay, you had right the destruction of the first two kingdoms. Empires coming in, invading, taking over, and eventually, you know, destroying our capital and disbursement of the people. Okay, that's how it's happened. Now, in a, you know, this modern era, it won't. I don't see it as a, you know, an Iran with a nuclear weapon or another country eviscerating us or the delegitimization of Israel or uh, out the Arabs outnumbering us. I don't see the, I don't see that as the way of Zionism ending or Israel not being no longer the entity for the Jewish people. Rather, it would have to be a complete change of the system. So as in, as the nation-state system no longer exists, then possibly, and we're right, we're not in the Messianic age, and there is no longer a state for the Jewish people because the whole idea of nations and peoples is completely rejected, and we can't think of the world the, the way that we do now. In 200 years, they might think of it completely differently, and it's all going to be one big kumbaya. Otherwise, we're not going anywhere. Or you're wrong. <laughs> I, I don't know that you're right. I have no reason to be sure that you're right. Although I don't know if I've ever known for sure to all I'm right. Well, that's I'm it. taking I, an opinion. But you should never think, I hope there are... Like, no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying that you are, you're talking as if... Right. You're not talking as if everyone listened to me. I'm on Sinai giving you... But what I'm saying is, I, I guess what I'm saying is, I don't make as many... I don't even make that much of conclusion because I, I am... I want, other than in the most broad general terms, I don't know what the future is, even to the extent that you're suggesting. I won't even make a prediction. I just don't know. I just see the work ahead of us and say we have to roll up our sleeves and do it, which I think is essential to Zionism. The idea also of it's time to roll up our sleeves and get to work is is what the movement of Zionism right. animates. And I, I, I say it like this. The, the core value of Zionism is is proactive, is was to finally get up and do it and go home and build our homeland. 
That, that is the core value of Zionism. Um, so why, why, what I'm expanding that to is that in, 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 in the broader sense now that we've achieved some of the basic principles of Zionism, that we have a nation-state with self-rule, that, that to me sets the stage for the broader visions of the different groups of Zionists, for the labor Zionists, for the political Zionists, for the cultural Zionists, for the religious Zionists. How do we make... Well, they all get a chance at power. Well, I, I, I would to, to implement their visions. That's what the opportunity of a democratic political system with various different, you know, political Zionist groups, if you want to say, either coming into rule or influencing I, I, a coalition, and it's working. I think that's partially why they've been so. That, that's why I, I am less. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I, I am less impressed by the accomplishments so far because they've mostly been worked on through power. And I don't think most of these things can be achieved through power. I think they have to. I think that the the, the rise of a culture that the politicians work within is is what's going to take some time to form, because the power fights, in particular, well, whatever. That's a different conversation uh, about religious parties and things like that. The the I think that when you use power, you lose influence, and when you have influence, that's when you have real power. That's when the real effect is by giving up on power you begin to really make changes. I mean, uh, the Haredim have definitely utilized their power to have quite a lot of influence. Everybody has. I think, of, I think we're moving away from yeah, yeah, yeah. that. Let's try it. I think that we want to start wrapping up. And, uh, well, let's segue to maybe what we'll talk about next time is then the pro-Israel versus the Zionist thing, because I don't think we're going to touch on it today. But well, more, I think what more we want to you know, start thinking about is what is the relationship then between the diaspora and, the, and, the, and Israel, and how... Um, how is a diaspora Jew express their Zionism um, as well as, as us here? Um, we know there have been great debates in Zionism if, if you can even be a Zionist and live in, in the diaspora. But Would you agree with me that although it's a modern word, it's a very old sentiment? The feelings of Zionism, of loyalty to your nation, to your land, it's a modern word, but... Well, it depends how, I guess it depends how you define it because there are many who argue that Zionism is a political movement that was created as a result of the 19th century, you know, the modern movement for sure is. But I like to think of the sentiment itself, the Jewish patriotism, which has always has been around as long as there have been Jews, is what we today call Zionism and make a movement. And yeah, in that... I, I, I think it was confused. One of my favorite things to see in, in, in Poland is in the, uh, the Altoshul in Krakow, there's a menorah, a Chanukia, and on the top of it is the, is the, is a is an eagle, which is the national bird of Poland. And you see the the the, the strong and Poland Jews. We don't usually think of this, but there is a strong sentiment. Poland Jews were very nationalistic, the Polish, um, fighting in the Polish revolutions against Russia and others. So, um, so I'm not know. sure what your point is. That no, what point is they that didn't have a love for their people in their homeland. Uh, You're talking I about. Uh, I think that we've been confused about what our. We have also been confused. You can have you can have mixed loyalties because, <coughs> in a, as a diaspora, that's what happens in a diaspora. But I. Right. Sorry, I mean, in America, they tried to like Brandeis would say, "Why have a dual loyalty? Being a Zionist is being an American, and being an American nationalist is also being a Zionist. Like there's one and the same." So I I I, I do think I, I would like to include King David and the Maccabees and all these people into. You know what we today call Zionism—that sense of national loyalty and connectedness. Maybe I'm just—I would include Satmar Hasidim, who are against the idea of a Jewish state, into some form of Zionism, even though they'd find that distasteful. 
because but now I, you're showing your colors as a religious scientist, but that's okay. And a, and, a, and an inclusive yeah. fellow. Sorry, guys. No, that's good. We like it, Mike. We like it like you are. Say it like it is. Imagine, mm. Mike. <laughs> oh, great. Right, uh, so let's, let's uh, invite everyone to please send us your thoughts and comments. You can do that through email, Skype, WhatsApp. You can do it right on our webpage at juisrael.jerusalemu.org, uh, where you can read our blog, you can contribute to our blog, you can contact us, and if you are a student, you can check out um, the units that we learned, and we look forward to keeping in contact with you, anything we can ever do for you. We got your back. That's the our central animating principle, is we've got your back, whatever you need when it comes to understanding Jewish and Zionist identity. All right? Have a good one. Bye, guys. Peace out. All the best. Laila Tov.